You go, dude. Good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you here. While you're turning to Romans chapter 12, and we'll be also looking at 1 Corinthians 12 and some other passages this morning, uh, just a way of announcement, pray for uh, Vicki and I and Tom and Bonnie Wissink as we'll be traveling to Puerto Rico this week on Thursday. We're doing a seminar there on Friday uh, about turnaround elders and leaders and churches. And then uh, we'll be flying back on Monday. So we appreciate you doing that. Also, uh, Bill still has some handout sheets for the goods that we're receiving uh, for Cuba. So um, they're back on the table back there. If you want to contribute some stuffs to be sent to Cuba where we're starting a seminary, but we're also ministering to pastors and churches in Cuba, uh, please participate in that. Um, also this morning, don't forget to fill this out if you're new to us. I don't see anybody new right now, but or if you've changed your information, or uh, please, most importantly, give us your prayer requests because we have folks who pray for your prayer requests on Wednesday. All right, did everybody find your place? Romans chapter 12. So, um, as I mentioned last week, football season is alive and well, right? And um, we're all excited about that. My eyes are working today for some reason, so that's good. Um, and I, we, we just love football season, but this, this is what goes on in football season. Tickets are sold, and in, in terms of the Jags, you know, 50,000 people or more come into a stadium where they pay money, they sit in pews, and they watch superstars play football, right? Um, but there's a team, there's 11 individuals on offense, there's 11 individuals on defense, and these are gifted, talented individuals who know how to play football for the most part. Every now and then somebody sneaks in. It seems like they don't really know how to play, but, but you know, at that level, there's, and it's just amazing to watch them play. Uh, watching the preseason games this year seems like the Jaguars have backups who are pretty good, right? I mean, the third-string quarterback is looking pretty good. Uh, in fact, somebody actually wrote on Facebook that they prefer the third-string quarterback, the Trevor Lawrence. And I said, stop smoking crack before you watch football games. But anyway, <laughs> you know, it's just foolishness that, uh, that people say sometimes in the, in the midst of, of, of all of that. Now, I want you to suppose something this morning. Let's do a little supposing. What if we all came into a football stadium, you had all these guys, right, they're millionaires, they're most of them, maybe some of the linemen are millionaires or running backs, but they're all millionaires, getting paid a lot of money. But what if the 53 players on each roster stood on the sidelines along with the people in the stands, and just watched the quarterbacks on Sunday afternoon. They paid all their money, everybody showed up, 
All the players had talents and abilities and gifts, but they all just came together on Sunday afternoons and sat on chairs on the sideline or chairs in the stadium and just watched the quarterback play football. Would that make any sense at all? Make any sense? But let me tell you something. That's exactly what we do in the church of Jesus every Sunday morning in the United States of America. We give money, we sit in pews, we sit back, and we watch the stars perform. And I want to say to you this morning that every one of you is a star. Every one of you is gifted and talented by God and that he wants you to be a part of the game as well. So what happens up here is just a part of what goes on in your life. Okay, so from that, it's all downhill from there. So does the scripture support what I just said? And in many churches, people would argue, say, no, 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 I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. And so let's just talk about it a little bit. So number one, uh, let's review. Remember, we've been talking about experiencing the presence of God and the power of God in our lives. And over the last few weeks, I didn't call it this, but it just came to me. First of all, we talked about our sacred creation. Remember Psalm 139, remember Genesis chapter 2, uh, which says we're created how? In the image of God, right? All of us are created in the image of God. Psalm 139, just a reminder for those of you that haven't been here for a while or haven't been able to watch online. Psalm 139 says that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made knit together in the secret place in our mother's womb, suggesting what I talked about last week, that you and I have a sacred call, just like I have a sacred call as a pastor, because you are sacredly created and made, designed by your creator. There is a sacred call upon your life. That's in review. Every one of you, God has a purpose for, God has a plan for, God is looking upon you as his sacred creation. Yes, the Bible teaches that uh, we're all sinners, that that creation is distorted. But remember, in other sermons I've said to you, who, res who is restoring that image in you right now? Who restores the image? Jesus is. Christ is restoring that image that you and I might be more like him. And he's, the work isn't done in any of us. I was listening to a preacher this morning. He said there's two kinds of people in the world. Sinners and sinners saved by grace. Sinners and sinners saved by grace. And so we got to keep that in mind. Now, all right. So having said all that, uh, just to review a little bit now, let's look at what I want to talk about today, and that is that you and I have been given by God 
sacred gifts. They're sacred gifts because they're gifts given to us by God. They're gifts of grace that God has given us. He does not give us gifts based upon our merit or our ability or our goodness or our anything. It's all God who gives gifts to his people, and they are indeed sacred gifts. So let's look. Romans chapter 12. We're going to go there. Then we're going to look at a few verses in in 1 Corinthians 12. Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now notice, Paul is speaking not of his own accord, but from the grace that God has given him, and he's calling you and I to consider what we do and who we are with the faith that God has what? distributed to each of us. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy with accordance, in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And then in a bit, we'll, we'll refer to verse 9 and following. So in other words, going back to the football illustration, on a football team is everybody a quarterback. In fact, teams keep two or three quarterbacks on the roster. You just don't know. But everybody wants to be a quarterback, right? Everybody wants to be a quarterback. We see the quarterback, and everybody wants to be a quarterback. Teams that win have coaches that teach the members of the team that they all have a very important role. This is best seen in basketball where there's five individuals on the court. And yeah, there are some individuals that can raise a team and help them win games. But you know, my hero when I was in high school was Pete Maravich. Pete Maravich was a freak in basketball. He was unbelievable until recently, and this was back in the 70s that he played in in, in, at LSU, and then he played for the Celtics and another team. I mean, it was unbelievable. You know what? Pete Maravich could not dribble up and down the court all by himself against five other players. 
There were other individuals that had to play defense. There were roles that had to be played on that team. And Pete Maravich was amazing. He, I mean, and I used to practice throwing behind my back and between my legs. And I wore baggy socks just like him. And my hair was like his. And I had his number in high school. I mean, I, I just watched and I just practiced and emulated everything that he did. But I was no Pete Maravich. There's only, they're rare individuals. But we know from watching professional sports that if you just rely upon the superstar, often the team falls apart and they don't make it through the playoffs. Yes, Tom Brady is a really good quarterback, but it's necessary to have other people on the team who are good as well. And sometimes Tom Brady would raise up everybody else on the team, right? And they might play beyond themselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go there for a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We see this expressed again. And um, Paul writes in verse 1, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans... Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. In other words, in religion, we worshipped idols that had no power, that could not do anything. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. This is key. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit, what's those next two words? Distributes them. What's that mean? The Spirit gives those gifts. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, is, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to build that person up. Is that what that says? Come on, you guys. Follow. Somebody say, no, preacher, it does not say that. The gift is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one just as He determines. And then it goes on to repeat what we read in uh, Romans chapter 12 about the diversity in the body and how we all have different gifts. So, God gives gifts. The Spirit of God gives gifts. The Spirit of God distributes gifts. 
He gives gifts to each one of us. He doesn't give gifts to some of us and not to others. He gives gifts to all of you. Right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, he has given you spiritual gifts. Now, we tend to look at some gifts as being more important than others. And 1 Corinthians reminds us, though, that if you speak with the tongues of angels but do not have what? Love, you're like a clanging cymbal. I, I've run across individuals in my life in ministry who, who, <laughs> who had various manifestations of spiritual gifts and, and then they'd run into you in the foyer of the church and yell at you in a second, you know? It, it's almost like they had a gift, but they kind of missed out on the fruit of the Spirit, which is, which is gentleness and kindness and all those kinds of things. Um, Vicki had a boss one time who um, had a, uh, she worked at a place called Born Again Hair Products. That sounds like a great place to work, right? Born Again Hair Products. And, you know, there were people that wouldn't always pay their bills and stuff, and she ended up, ended up making calls and trying to get people to pay their bills. But, but her boss would get on the phone, the leader of Born Again Hair Products, who later became the chief executive officer of a very large charismatic church in upstate New York later after all this went down. And he'd be on the phone with somebody cussing and swearing and screaming and yelling at them and then hang up the phone and go, lift Jesus higher, lift Jesus higher. I mean, we, we can get really bizarre sometimes. Listen, God has a sacred call upon you, his sacred creation. And as God has given us sacred gifts, he wants us to employ those gifts in sacred use. So let's go back to Romans 12 for a second. Romans chapter 12. Skip down to verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And so this is the point of sacred use. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then what? serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then encourage. Okay? Some translations, it's uh, exhortation. And I can remember as, as a young man uh, functioning in church and coaching and all that kind of stuff, um, people came to me and said, you have 
the gift of exhortation, which is translated here, encouragement. In other words, encouragement is, come on, y'all, let's get moving. That's encouragement. That's what exhortation is. And later, as I got to know myself better, I learned that I'm a maximizer and an activator. I love to take people to the next level, and I like to get people moving forward because so many of us are just comfortable to sit and watch the performance, whether it's in church or on TV or in the theater or wherever. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouragement, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give, what's that word? Generously. What a powerful word. And if it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is echoed. Go with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. I want you to see that it's not just Paul that's writing about this. Paul puts us in a different context, a different perspective for us. Peter's writing, he says, okay guys, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And we know that this is in a general sense, but there's a gift of hospitality as well. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So God has given grace to you in spiritual giftedness, and you are to use that gift as a steward because it needs sacred use. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Now Peter knows that persecution's coming. Peter knows that things are not going to be the way they have been, although the church has spread to the then-known world through persecution. And Peter's saying, look, it's going to get intense, so you guys need to use your gifts to serve each other, to encourage each other, to build each other up. Your spiritual gift is not given to you, Peter is saying, for you to say, well, I have the gift of encouragement. And then for you to look in the mirror and to say, Brian, you are awesome. <laughs> Brian, you are so handsome and smart 
And Brian, people love you. Isn't that just weird? Totally, completely. But that's the world that we live in. The world that we live in, we are, we are such a mess in terms of our self-concepts. We are so distorted in how we see and view ourselves that the world says the remedy is for us to constantly tell our children how wonderful and cool and awesome and talented and beautiful and everything they are. And I'm not suggesting that you do the alternative. You know how to build a child's self-esteem? It's not by constantly telling them that they're wonderful. The number one thing that builds a child's self-esteem, and I'm speaking to you as a psychologist, a learned psychologist, is this. Number one thing is for that child to know that its mom and dad love each other and are committed to each other. That's number one. Number one. There's this great sense of security and kids develop self-esteem. Yes, there are other things involved. We give our kids opportunities to, to participate and all those kinds of things. But God is good and he wants us to use our gifts for each other. To edify each other to build each other up, to lift each other up. Now, whenever we talk about this, uh, there's always questions um, about, well, how do I know my spiritual gift and all these kinds of things. So I, I want you to turn with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, just to the left a little bit. Excuse me, James chapter 1. Verse 5. James chapter 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Now, do you really believe that? That God gives wisdom to everybody who asks without finding fault. Now, some of you believe I know you do, because I've talked to you, that God gives more wisdom to better good people than he does to other people. That's not true at all. Wisdom is a gift from God as well. And the gifts of God are gifts of grace. They're not earned. They're not deserved. We ask, and God gives wisdom, and it will be given you. Our responsibility is this. When you ask, you must believe, not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. And then go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews, just turn to your left a little bit more.
I think the writer of Hebrews is Paul, but that's up to debate. Verse 11 says, uh, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. What would happen, and it could, the way things are going, if the government of the United States said, you can no longer gather together in church buildings, what would happen? Okay, there'd be all kinds of problems. It'd be, it'd be you know, but let's say that they pulled out the troops, they enforced all of this, and we were no longer allowed to meet in our entertainment centers with the rock stars entertaining us. What would happen? Who then would be the teachers? You see, what we have created with our system of religion in the United States is a bunch of folks sitting in the pews watching the game who've never picked up a football and thrown a pass or blocked a tackler. You get the picture I'm painting. So if we were scattered into our homes, what would happen? Would someone step up in each of our homes individually and sit down and be able to teach the Word of God. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. That's why Peter is talking about the focus, because we know that the early church was forced into their homes. We know that they were forced underground. And guess what? Just because the Peters and the Pauls and the Johns were not able to go out and preach before thousands of people as the church was scattered into homes and in catacombs and underground, the church of Jesus spread worldwide. And thousands and thousands of individuals, because the early church understood that they were a royal priesthood themselves as individuals. They didn't have to rely upon the rock star. And so, I'm going to ask you, what has God given you? Share it with others. Start doing it now, because most certainly a time is going to come when we can't do this. It might be in your lifetime, it might be in mine, don't have, I don't have any prophecy for you, but it's not hard to look around and see how things are going, okay? Okay, we got Zoom. <laughs> and you know, I can remember... Um, this was just when COVID was hitting, because I use Zoom all the time. Right? I got my own Zoom room, and 
I, do, I teach and mentor people on Zoom and all that kind of stuff. I can remember we had a family in here, and I said, yeah, yeah, we'll just start meeting on Zoom. And they went, we're not going to meet on Zoom. Our household's not going to use Zoom. The Chinese control Zoom. And it was all this conspiracy stuff and everything. And, I, and, and the wife was sitting there holding a cell phone, right? I said, well, you're going to get rid of your cell phone? I mean, don't you think, hey, Chinese, how are you doing there? You know, how are you guys doing? Oh, there's, seriously. I told a joke to my grandkids this week, and they didn't get it. So I said, you know, everybody's worried about cell phones and TVs spying on us. And I got thinking of Bill Griffin when I said this. I said, but you know, your va- what you really need to worry about is your vacuum cleaner, because it's been digging up dirt on you for a long time. <laughs> Okay, you know, um, I, you know, I know that some of us, no, no, I, nobody here, Chinese don't care about any of us here this morning. They are not wasting any time watching your life or my life. I know there are people's lives that they're watching, but for the most part, we don't have to worry about all of that. But we do have to prepare ourselves. We do have to be focused, and the point of all of this is, is for those times when we cannot gather. For those times, and we got a little bit of picture of that, right, in COVID, when, when we could not gather for a while. And, and we just have to look at that moving forward. Now, the practical side of that in the last few minutes is let's go back to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and I'll conclude with this. And verse 9. And in this conversation about presenting your body as a living sacrifice, discerning the will of God, understanding that God in His grace has, has not just sacredly created you, has not just sacredly called you, but has sacredly gifted you, now Paul writes at the last part of Romans, about what this looks like. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what's evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but in your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Keep saying the same things over and over again. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Y'all, these are counter to our culture. These are counter to how we would respond 
in difficult times. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it is mine to avenge, I'll repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, say it's my money, I'm not going to feed anyone. God's given me money, I'm keeping it to myself. No, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, finish it. Give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil how? With good. And I've preached on the previous statement before, but just a reminder in case you're new here, you haven't heard this. When you heap burning coals on somebody's head, that's not like you're dumping coals on their head and burning them up. It's, it's, it's like this. Uh, we don't have this experience, but people used to cook using coals, right? In their usually outdoor kitchen because the fumes would kill you. If your coals went out, what could you do? You could go to your neighbor and ask for a coal. And they carried them in clay pots. Where did they carry them? Clay pots on their head. And so Paul is writing, look, by doing kind things to other people, it's like they've asked you for a coal and you're heaping coals in their pot and it's on their head and they're carrying that pot around. You are blessing them with the multitude of coals that you have in your hearth that warms your house and cooks your food. Y'all, if who we are is a football game, you all are stars. You all have been given gifts. And God is saying to all of us, play the game. Use your gift. You'll lift each other up and God will be glorified as the end result. Amen? Amen. All right, so we're going to conclude with a song.